Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And for those of you who listened to my interview a week ago with David Cubbage, I know you're excited to be hear from him again, as I am too. And so, David, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me again, Paul. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it last week. Well, me too. And uh, I'm envious of where you are. You're out just on the eastern edge of the Rocky Mountains, uh, close to Fort Carson. And I bet it's beautiful where you're sitting right now. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I'm sitting out here at work right now and I've got a lunch break going on and, and it's, there's still snow caps on the mountains and, and it's nice and warm where I'm sitting right now. So it's beautiful. Well, I can see the smile on your face just looking at the snow caps. So, uh, David, you told me that you spent 10 years in the Air Force and you did something that uh, I've never met anybody who did that before. So take a minute and tell us what you did in the Air Force. In the Air Force, uh, security forces enlisted and I was stationed in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And the job there, we guarded nuclear weapons and uh, my specific task was convoying them. So the nuclear weapons in transit from the base to the launcher where it actually gets launched from or from the launcher back to base if it needed to have any type of work being done on it. So it was a great job. Was it scary? Were you nervous about that? No, there was a lot of training involved, a whole lot for several years. I actually had to go. So security forces is the military police for the Air Force. So I actually had to go through law enforcement academy and then to learn the nuclear weapons side of that stuff. There's a whole lot of training that goes into that. And of course, you're nervous doing something new, something that you've never been involved with. You're carrying a gun to work every single day, if not multiple guns. And it was a very fun experience, to say the least. Wow. Well, thank you for serving. Gosh, I appreciate that. And it sounds like a, a really valuable thing to our nation to be doing. Let's pick up a little more. We didn't talk about this last week, but if you wouldn't mind telling us the success story of your daughter. And it uh, it didn't start out that way at birth, but uh, tell us a little bit about that. My daughter was born in a very rough time in my life. I get emotional about this stuff too, but I was being discharged from the military. It was, it was a surprise for me. I had injured my back and it wasn't anything that the military had, had me doing or anything like that. It was just overall wear and tear from what the doctor was saying. I wasn't good on my body, I guess. So at that time I was getting discharged and, and my wife was pregnant and she was a nurse. She was a registered nurse and she worked there at the hospital. And she called me when I was at work one day and she said, well, you know, I'm at the hospital. I said, yeah, I know. She said, no, I got admitted. And I left work. I just left. And this is the military. This is, this is a no-go. It's AWOL. You're going absent without official leave. And I left. And I went straight to the hospital. And she's there laying in bed. And as soon as I got there, they were grateful to see me there. And they said, look, we're going to put her in a helicopter because we don't have the means to take care of what we need to here. We're going to fly her to Denver, Aurora, which is a suburb of Denver. And I said, well, I'm getting in a helicopter with you guys. And they said, no, we don't got room for you. 
So I jumped in my truck and uh, called her family, called my family, let them know what was going on. I didn't know, you know, exactly what was going on. Well, they call it preeclampsia, and uh, some people probably might know what that is. It's supposed to be a very painful thing, and it gives you a very high fever, and her blood pressure was through the roof. So I didn't know what was going to happen. Well, we had just had a miscarriage two years prior to this. So I rushed to the hospital, calling all our family members, and I get there shortly after the helicopter even got there. And I go in the hospital room, and she's sitting there, and she's just not with it. You know, she's just out of it. and. We're talking about a very tough woman, you know, and uh, she was handling it fine. And all of a sudden the doctors come in and said, we got to take you back. And I remember saying, I'll see you in a little bit, babe. And they took her back. And uh, I remember waiting in the waiting room for several hours, just trying to figure out what was going on, getting a little bit responses from the doctors. And the doctors come out and said, we can't wake your wife up. We're getting nervous here. And finally, they were able to get her to wake up and, uh, my daughter was born. She was alive and she had a stroke. My daughter had a, a stroke when she was born. She had three brain bleeds on her left side, which caused her right side to basically be paralyzed. So what happened was the doctors asked me if I wanted to be able to go back and see my daughter for the first time. And I did that. And one of the hardest moments of my life, I looked at my own daughter and I didn't know whether to get close to her, or get attached you know how, like, when you have a kid, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I didn't get to feel that. I was scared. And, uh, but what was amazing was, I'm crying about it right now. But at that time, it was, it was kind of like, I felt like my body was rejecting all the information I was getting. My body wasn't physically ha handling it very well. I thought I might have, I might pass out. I might have a heart attack. I don't know. Uh, I can feel anxiety. I can feel pain, almost like loss. But I remember going outside and just having this feeling of peace, like mm. everything's going to be okay. Really? And, uh, I walked inside after that. One of the doctors, she said, David, you need to get away and go cry for a little while. I said, I just did. And uh, I'm okay. I'm good. And it was weird because that culture that I had kind of enveloped my whole family. And my wife and I, we stayed, we stayed there, you know, in town. And, and we were able to visit with our daughter all day and uh, we, we got a hotel there and it was just our attitude. The doctors even had to pull us aside a couple weeks in and they, were, they had to interview us and make sure that we were doing okay. Um, because we seemed like we still had it all together. It was just this peace that we had about us. We know everything was going to be okay. And sure enough, it was, it was, <laughs> it was amazing. So jump ahead a little bit now. Um, she's 12 years old and she's, in competitive dance. Uh, she's doing wonderful. She's very comfortable in, in her surroundings. My wife does a very good job of keeping everything structured and scheduled and beautiful for her. And, and uh, she's living a good, good life. So, Wow. Well, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would assume that peace came from God. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he is Mr. Peace. I learned that later on down the road. Um, there's no such thing as peace without him. Just like First uh, John 4, 8 says, God is love. I believe that all the fruits of the spirit that we were taught about, he is those things. And those things don't exist outside of him. And I, I knew that at the time, that peace is absolutely from him, without a doubt. So. In uh, Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit. I've learned that probably the a much better translation of that, and actually the Passion Translation says it's this way, the fruit of the Spirit is love in all of its many expressions, colon, then joy, peace. So those aren't separate things. Those are all part of God's love. And peace and joy, and uh, of course, uh, Ephesians 2 says that Jesus is our peace, and I'm getting goosebumps just uh, thinking about this myself, but he, he is our peace, and uh, no matter whether we're going through a situation like you were, which I, I haven't been through, but I did lose our son-in-law when he was 29 years old, and that was, but God was with us all, and uh, obviously, it was extremely hard, and, and we grieved, and but we did have that underlying peace. And he is there for everybody. <laughs> what I'm all about now, and it sounds like you are too, is helping people know that and know him and understand that because it's always he's always been there. He is everybody's peace. But until you become aware of that, you don't get to, it's not his fault, but you, you don't get to experience it. And I want, I want people to know it and experience it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things, I think we we're talking last week about how belief strips that veil away and you can actually see. So I have a brother who, to, I hate labels, but you know, he does not believe in God. So what would you say? An unbeliever. Not yet believer. Not yeah, yet not, believer. There you go. How about that? Yes, sir. <laughs> Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree on that. So the thing is though, is, is my brother's capable of loving his dog. I've seen it unconditionally. He loves that dog. So he's got love residing inside of him and it's leaking out of him and enveloping that dog. He's capable of love. What my brother doesn't know, though, is he's only capable of that love is because love has been reconciled inside of him, and it's reflecting out and leaking out of him towards that dog. And that dog can love him back because the dog has been reconciled in Christ, too. You think that dog has ever made a conscious choice to believe in God? No. <laughs> the belief doesn't make that happen. Belief doesn't make that happen at all. Belief sees it happen, that I may know him. Belief yeah. sees that belief knows it. And that's, that's the difference. That's the wake up call. That's the awakening that I believe that you're talking about. I love it. Well, I do too. I, I was thinking earlier this morning when I was out on our back porch, we've we got a really beautiful backyard there. There are no mountains there, but it's still beautiful. And I was thinking about, uh, I think it's Psalm 34, eight, be still and know that I'm God. I know that verse and I've taught on it before and stuff like that, but I, I just, so, okay, I'm, I'm just going to be still totally still and empty my mind and just be available. And uh, the Lord just spoke to me and said, knowing me when you're still and you're knowing me, you're going to know that you're knowing me because everything you're going to hear is love and an expression of love. You're not going to be still and be in my presence and hear anything that causes you to be afraid or to fear punishment, or to think that God's separate and you got to do something to get right with him. So I, I think when David wrote that, he was saying, the way you can know the real God, the only true God, is you're going to hear and feel and know and experience 
everything good and everything's love and peace and that kind of stuff. If you get still and clear your mind and you start to feel afraid and worry if you've done enough or if you did something that was so bad that God couldn't forgive you, you're not knowing God. You're knowing a, a fictitious God that's not real at all. And I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it was just happened to me this morning and made an impression on me. Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. And to me, that's that's why people actively choose not to believe in God to me is that's the greatest single cause of atheism to me is having this idea that there's this journey and this path that you got to take in order to get to God instead of seeing that he reconciled himself into you. He deposited you into him into his family. You are fully included and you cannot separate yourself. Was that Romans 8, 38, 39, nor height, nor depth, nor rulers, nor kingdoms, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in this world can separate you from the love of God ever. So you don't have to take this path to get to him. You have been reconciled into him, all things. And you don't even have that choice. Like I was born a male. Now I could physically change that if I want to and identify myself wrongly. You know, I'm not saying that it's wrong biblically. I'm just saying falsely identify myself and, and say that I am a woman. And I, I can actually do that in this life, in, in this world, I have the freedom to do that. But I was born as a male and I can never change that. My mom and my dad named me David Cubbage and I can never change that. Never. I didn't have the choice. I didn't, I wasn't sitting in heaven as a baby. There's this Garth Brooks song and he was looking down and the baby was looking down at a little blue ball. And he's in the heavens talking to God and God says, okay, it's time for you to go down to that little blue ball and go meet your mom. I didn't have that choice. I didn't get to choose who my parents were going to be. I didn't get to choose whether I was going to be born or not. None of that. My parents were active in that choice. I wasn't. So in the same sense, I didn't get the choice whether I was in Christ or not either. He placed us there. We don't have that choice whatsoever and we can't break out of it. So if you look at, you look at somebody that looks like they're so depressed and so deep in this darkness as if they're in a basement locked up in chains in a corner in a dark room somewhere and you love them and you want to go down there and you want to break those chains off for them because they're surely not going to break it off themselves they kind of almost get comfortable there it's as if every single thing would free them from that position that they see themselves in if they knew you were never there in the first place you always were in the light So in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is John one, the very first thing that he wants to tell us. And he was the light of all mankind, not just the ones who chose to believe in him, all mankind. And I think that's miraculous. Oh, it is really is. And you mentioned, you used the phrase atheist before, and you were also talking about Paul Young in the last episode. And, and I think about one of his stories, he, he'd gone to uh, England to do some teaching and speak at different places and something. And by that time, the shack had sold millions of copies. And so he was doing some interviews with the press there. And one of them said something about atheists. I don't remember exactly what. And he said, I'm an atheist too. He said, I don't believe in that God that they don't believe in. I've heard him say also that people who are atheists, who don't believe in the fictitious bad God, they're closer to the truth and to the real God than people who still believe in the false God. So our whole, it's like so many other things with Jesus, our whole, our whole mindset of atheism is uh, turned upside down. 
<laughs> yeah, I think we could learn a lot from having conversation. That's why I love Facebook. I love social media is because we can learn a lot from somebody that wants to stand up and say, I don't believe in God. We can learn so much if we ask the questions why and just sit back and listen. Allow them to pour it all out. Allow them to deem God the most angry, wrathful, vengeful, and that has nothing to do with God. And you can actually sit there and agree with them. You know, and you could you could actually say, okay, so what you're telling me is you've been taught the same way that I have that God is this. What is the greatest sermon that was ever said? What what what, they, what was that title? Um, Sinners in the hand of an angry God. Yes, sir. There you go. And and that's not exactly the opposite of how he sees us. It's and the he's, worst and, sermon and, ever. Yeah. Yeah, and it should be the worst. And everybody, ex, you know, they experience this and they think it's the greatest thing ever. And it's making us see this God that is wrathful that wants to take everything out on you. I, I listened to it for the first five minutes after I was told about it and I had to turn it off. I was like, are you kidding me? I can't, <laughs> that's not who God is to me anymore. And if I, if I didn't have the lens that I have now and I listened to that, then it would have scared the heck out of me and I wouldn't have been afraid to admit it. Yeah. Boy, the good news is really is good news for everybody. And if it's not good news for everybody, it's not good news, but it is for all. everybody. Yeah. So our, our time's almost up again, David. What what's next for you? Where are you taking this wonderful understanding you have of a really good God? Where do you see God taking you with that in your life? So I'm not taking myself anywhere. I'm letting God do it for sure. It's kind of like how I've lived my entire life. I see these doors open and they're peaceful to go through, and at the same time, other doors are closing, which tells me absolutely not. Don't. And it's like that. I don't want to. I've seen. Or I feel that some people have taken paths such as becoming a pastor of a church or something like that. And it's almost as if they forced that. And I'm not, I'm not speaking against anybody, but it, it's like then they have to wonder. I mean, a lot of pastors have been committing suicide lately because they're wondering, why isn't my voice being spoken here? Why aren't people, why, why aren't I getting this mega church? Why aren't I getting the funding to continue to do this? And maybe we weren't supposed to be doing it in the first place. So. I believe my church now is social media. You know, I, I watch Don Keithley as much as I possibly can, Me but too. I get a lot of church from social media. Now I miss the interaction and the worship time. I miss that a lot. But I think as far as if God is bringing me through a path of teaching folks in, in a way, and I don't want to be a teacher at all, but if, if he's doing that, it's through that social media, media outlet. So that's where I see it right now. That's great. And you've got a great grasp of this and uh, you're well-spoken and communicate well. And I'm sure, well, I know he's already using you in social media and I can see uh, that really taking off and helping more and more and more people all the time. That's exciting. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate that, man. (laughs) And yeah, it is very exciting. It definitely is. You know, I just, the thing is, is I'm very much could be one, I'm humble about this. I very much could be a hundred percent wrong on all this, but I tell you what, I'll never go back to the way I was thinking before, because like you said, it's not good news. Mercy Me has a great song on their album, Welcome to the New. Can't remember the name of their song, but- Best news ever. Yeah. And there's a line in it that says, Lord, if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right anymore or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the exact phrase, but uh, at any rate. Hey, yeah. I hope we can get together in person sometime. Uh, you're always welcome to come to Kansas, but I'd much rather come to Colorado. <laughs> so 
No doubt. And if I'm working out that way too, I'll, I'll be sure to get a hold to you. We'll do. And we'll stay in touch. And uh, again, people can connect with you. Tell them one more time how they can connect with you. So uh, very easily on Facebook. That's the easiest way to do that. Uh, it's David Cubbage, D-A-B-I-D. Last name is spelled C-U-B-B-E-D-G-E. It's Cub with two Bs and Edge. Super. David, thank you for taking the time. You took your whole lunch hour uh, to be with us today. I know you got to go back to work now, but thank you so much. And I'll look forward to getting together with you again. All right. God bless you, Paul. Thank you very much. God bless you too. And thanks everybody for listening to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.